It's good to see you guys. Thank you. Did you know the future is coming? They have created an AI that can create worship music. It is crazy. Look it up. I was going to say Google it. That sounds a little ironic. But we were in pre-service. I asked Alexa. I said, hey, Alexa, can you pray for us? And she said, you're in my thoughts. I'm not even making it up. Ask your Alexa sometime. I was like, all right, interesting. It's good to see you guys. Good to be here this morning. Some great singing together. We're going we're gonna to dive right in. You already know where we're going, right? Matthew 7. So you want to open up there? We are going to dive in pretty quick here. I do want to offer up, we need to take some time as a family to offer up some prayers this morning. Amen. You know, it seems like when it rains, it pours. Yep. When it comes to loss, when it comes to those in our lives in need of healing, I know the Montiels losing a, a dear member of their family, uh, their, their pet, yeah. Yeah. how difficult that is. I know Patty and her children's father going through a really difficult time in Parsons. Um, let's take a moment. Let's just pray. Let's pray for those that we know in our community that are just in need of God's hand. Father, we come before you. We know that you are the great physician. You are our comforter. You are our rescue. And you are our great reward. Father, in these times in life, when we ourselves, those close to us or those around us are going through difficulty, words aren't enough, Father. But your presence is. Your spirit is. We pray for healing. We pray for life and hope and your goodness this time. Pray for Wayne and for you to work a miracle in his life yes. and in the family. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you guys for praying together. We're going to Matthew chapter 7. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount for a month, which is not long enough, is it? Yeah. If you've been in, we're, we're flying through it, honestly. We could spend weeks upon weeks in the Sermon on the Mounts. But it's always appropriate to, to recap. So let's recap where we've been this month, this March on the Mounts, as some have called it. We began by talking about the Beatitudes, and we recognized the world is like a pilot flying upside down at high speed, not knowing it. And when you try to make adjustments, you end up crashing into the ground. The world's flying upside down. Look out there. I'm not just talking about the news feed. I'm lo look at people's lives that you know. Burning the candle at both ends, that's a popular saying we have. Striving for survival. To build up their nest egg. To try to build something that human hands weren't ever meant to build. The world's flying upside down at high speed. And Jesus comes in and he goes, all right, you want to let, let me talk about something that's upside down. God's kingdom 
is for these people. He goes into the Beatitudes, right? The Beatitudes isn't a, if you do A, you get B, right? If you act like this or say you're this, then B will happen to you. It's not what it's about. God's kingdom is for these people too. Jesus explains how God's kingdom is coming and it's open to the lows of the world. The lows of the world become the divine highs. Amen? Praise God for that. What God values is different than the world. Jesus then, that was was when we looked at the Beatitudes, and the second lesson we looked at was the law of Moses, where Jesus goes and he shows that God's law is made to work from the inside out. Inside out. And we know that when we use his yoke. Do you remember his yoke? How do we read and understand and live out God's law? Love the Lord your God with everything. And then what's, what's Jesus' yoke? Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang those commands. Using Jesus' yoke to interpret God's words and living it out as well. Last week, we looked at holiness. Holiness right side up. Jesus shows that true holiness turns the world right side up when we practice it. We talked about having the good eye, the healthy eye. The eye is the lamp of the body. And the implications of that, more than a cool, new-agey sounding line like, have a good eye, man. There are some real-world implications there that Jesus gets into to do not worry. So don't worry about trying to survive and scratch out this life for yourself. God's got you. And when we read Matthew 6.33 now, I hope we read it a little different than you need to just show up and God's going to, no, no, no. Let's have a good eye. Trust in the Lord and live his way. Amen? Today we're looking at a decision that Jesus is leaving at the end here. He, gives up, he offers up four little vignettes, four little decisions to make. We're looking at making our inside right. So you see what we did there? Upside down, inside out, right side up, inside right. right. Sounds like a cheat code on a video game. But how do, how do you end the greatest sermon ever? Only Jesus knows, and he does it here. He offers us choices to make your inside right You must make the right choice. This is a choice of a lifetime. This whole message, this whole message, if you go back and read the Sermon on the Mount over again, this whole message is not one about having the right beliefs. It's about practicing what you believe. It's about putting God's law into action bringing it to life, living it out as he intended for it to be lived out. Yes? And you look at the language Jesus uses, it's very much like that. You're going to see that today, absolutely. This whole message is about putting to practice God's law using Jesus' yoke. We find that it's not too easy. It ain't easy. 
It's like that Cheetos commercial, right? It ain't easy being cheesy. You know what I'm talking about? It's not. You don't remember that commercial? All right. Okay, now what is it now? Is, do they have a motto now? No. They're like Cheetos. Here's our reference to a good gastroenterologist. I don't know. All right. Oh, okay, never mind that. Yeah, that's off script. This is a choice of a life. Let's dive into the scripture, amen? Okay. What are we talking about? Let's get back on track. I thought that would make sense, but it didn't. All right. We're going to pick up right where we left off, verse 13. You hear? All right, we're here. Verse 13. Enter the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. We love to read this passage to people when, when they're seeking after God. But this, isn't, this, this is for people who believe they already are following God. And Jesus is saying this to them. Now, that's upside down for us, isn't it? This is for us, guys. This is for us. There's two gates. There's two roads. And I believe we, if we want to understand what Jesus, Jesus is pointing back to something that's not new to them. This idea of having these two options, these two roads. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. The law has been given, the law has been read, and Moses is offering some, some final words here. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, we're going to just, we're going to read a little bit of this. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death blessings and curses. Now, choose life so that you and your children may live and you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Abraham Isaac, and Jacob. Does that sound a little bit like what Jesus is saying here? There's two paths, two roads. This is a new idea for God's people. And it's not new for us today. It's something we need to take into account here is sometimes we, re we take our religious upbringing and understanding of Jesus and we just shove it in, like just plug it in. Like it's, it, this isn't talking about heaven and hell. This is talking about life, right, now, when Jesus wants to talk about hell, Gehenna, he does. And he does in the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about life right now. Does that have implications for the eternity? Yes, it does. But he's talking about life right now. This isn't about a road that leads to heaven and a road that leads to hell. This is about here. The life, kingdom life here. Are you hearing this? The road that leads to destruction. What does that look like? Look outward to the world. What does that look like? 
Non-rhetorically, like, what does that look like? Destruction. Could be, okay, addictions. Greed. Violence, abuse. Loneliness. Stress. Sabotage, self-sabotage. Yes. We could make a really long list together. We could. Wouldn't be a very happy list, but this is real. You don't have to look very far. Destruction is alive and well in the world today. For us to take this passage and pin it on something, we're like, no, that's that's after death. No, this is life before death we're talking about. It's like the, the, the broad road that's easy to take that leads to destruction. I thought of Kellogg. Just imagine, it's a cold, because it's, it's a cold January morning, it rained the night before, it's frozen, there's a big snow for us, so like a quarter inch, and, and you didn't scrape your windows, you know, you didn't lay the things on there to keep the ice off of it, so, so you know, you're, you're scrambling, you got to scrape it off, you're spraying that stuff on there that kind of works <laughs> and you're late for work and, and maybe, you're, maybe your boss isn't too forgiving maybe your kids are late for school it's the quickest way you know it's Kellogg you've driven on Kellogg on those mornings what does Kellogg look like on those mornings chaos a parking lot I don't know I don't want to be in that parking lot accidents spinning on a straight highway, people are spinning. <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> right? It's always a truck. They're like, oh, I got four-wheel drive. That doesn't do anything on ice. <laughs> they got a truck. It's cool. No, it doesn't. No, no. Like the truck speeds past you, and you're like, I'll wait a mile, and they're going to be in the, yeah. But you get the point. It's easy, but it's attractive. We need Kellogg, right? Tell ourselves we need Kellogg. We're going to be late if we don't. It's going to be really convenient. I'm going to get in trouble. Everyone else drives on Kellogg. It's got many lanes. You can drive faster. Right? You this is going. Crash. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. Few, Jesus says, few find the way to living this kind of life that he just described. Why is that? Stop right now. Ask yourself, why is that? We want life, don't we? We want to thrive. We want to flourish. We want to blossom and bloom. And we want to, this is like what we want, right? Then why is it that few will find it? I think it's because maybe we've been misled to believe that the Christian life is something that can just fall into your lap. They could just take the beliefs of your fathers and mothers and just keep coasting. That you don't have to think very deeply, wrestle hard, suffer, being holy. Those aren't attractive words. 
I don't think any of us walked in this morning like, all right, here comes the suffering. Like, <laughs> here comes the pain. Like, no. But which path are you on? Let's go back to the sermon here. Verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown to the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. If Jesus has to say something twice like that, listen. Listen, by their fruit, you will know them. Okay? By their fruit, you will know them. We got to talk about something that I feel is like, is, is, this is vital. We're going to throw two big words out at you, okay? okay? Orthodoxy. Okay, so that means having the correct beliefs. Orthodoxy, right? We heard that. That's a religious word. That's a churchy word. Orthodoxy. There's another word called orthopraxy. It's having the right practice. Now, if you had to go through and read the Sermon on the Mount, which one is Jesus talking about? Orthodoxy or orthopraxy? I think it's the praxy, the practice, right? I think it's, uh, it's not that the Pharisees had the wrong beliefs. Maybe some of that oral law was a little extra. But were they really living out God's law? Or were they just holding to having, I got the right beliefs? Got an example here. A little, uh, Got a little bottle here. This is just, this is water. Water. Water, why is water important? We need it to live. We're made of 95% water and 5% Cheetos. Water, we need it to live. It's refreshing. I'm a little thirsty right now, right? It's refreshing. It's good for us. It brings us life. It keeps us alive. This is, this, is the good, this is the right content, isn't it? If I want to water my plants, should I water them with this or should I water them with Gatorade? It's got electrolytes, right? Like just, right? No? Water. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right belief, right content. Now, I talked with Caden a little earlier, and he said he was a little thirsty, right? So, all right. Caden, you're thirsty. Okay, here you go. Here's some water. All right. You look a little thirsty too, Carly. Here you go. You got double, right? Are you sure you're not thirsty, Riley? Remember that one time you came up here and you pretended to slap me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. You had to be here for that one. You had to be there for that one. I did ask you to do it. Okay. No. Hopefully that wasn't too much water. You get right content, the practice of that. Did that quench their thirst? Did that serve the purpose what they're supposed to serve? But it's the right stuff, guys. I have the right stuff. Can you take the right stuff and misuse it? 
can you take the right stuff and possibly even hurt with it? Yes. Mm. Something there for us to think about. That's not to say content isn't important. I could get a glass up here, and I could pour it with like white vinegar, and say, "Here you go. Here's the here's the here's the glass. Now drink." But that's content matters. Yes, yes, and both. It's 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 both of them. It's a content, but the practice is just as important. Because what good does that do? Except get the teens a little angry with me. They agreed. They they consented for it. And you guys were. You know, good participants in that. <laughs> look at the fruit of their lives. Now, when we think of this, look at the fruit of their lives. Now, what is Jesus talking about? What is a false teacher? We've gotten into our heads, I believe. We've gotten into our heads a false teacher, someone who spreads the wrong belief. But I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I think he's saying a false teacher is someone who has the right belief, but they're not living it out. They're not practicing it. And you will know that because you can look at the fruit in their lives. You can say, oh, the fruit of God's spirit is not there. Right? doesn't mean we look at people like they've got to be perfect. Are you fruit? Are you bearing fruit? What fruit are you bearing? Did you bring anyone? Whatever. But you look at their life. Look at what they're saying and how they're living. We can also flip that script. Have you ever known someone out there in the community and you're like, God's fruit is here, but they don't wear the t-shirt that says Jesus. Have you noticed that before? And you're like, well, when we misread this, we're like, well, it says, you know, a good tree, good fruit, bad tree, bad fruit. They're a bad tree. They're not wearing the Jesus shirt. So no way that can be the fruit of the Spirit. But if you dig down deep enough, you'll find a grapevine. There's something there. Maybe they got to get some things figured out. Amen? Amen. Amen. But we cannot overgeneralize on this because for us, I'm the good tree. Here's my Jesus t-shirt. Therefore, my fruit is good. I got grapes. I got figs. Guys, what is a false teacher? Someone who is not living it out. Orthopraxy, the right practice. Don't take my word for this. Read the Sermon on the Mount with this lens. Read all of Jesus' teachings. Read the Gospels in this. Read the Bible. Go back to Deuteronomy, and you say, does the practice matter? Yes, it does. Which fruit is being produced in your life? Are you more worried about having the right beliefs than the right practice by the right life? Let's go back to the sermon. Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. This makes more sense now, doesn't it? But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I'm going to tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. 
we're being presented with two disciples here. So we have two paths, two fruits, and we got two disciples here. Disciples that are known and unknown. You cannot talk the talk if you do not walk the walk. I mean, you can, but it makes no sense. It makes no sense. You know, many think we can simply get into a mode of sin management, managing our sin. And talk about teen ministry is like built on sin management. If you look at it historically, it's more about here's the not do list. Many think that it's that, managing our sin. Remaining pure as we define saying the right thing, having the right beliefs, keeping our heads down, and just be a good person. We boil down Christianity to that. This doesn't change the heart. This takes us back to the place of the Pharisees, back to a place of a religious culture, that can be alluring, that can look, look right. But this is about God's kingdom from the inside out. Amen? Words count for little. Your actions matter most to God. When God was selecting the king of Israel, what did he tell the prophet? What did he say? People look at the outside. People look at appearances. You got what you got with Saul. I look at the heart. Live the life. Just don't, don't just be around it. Which one are you? Which one are you? Well, Jesus, can he say, yeah, Alex knows about my life. Alex knows about my life. What's up, Alex? Will he be able to say that about you? Let's keep reading the sermon. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now we have two builders. You see this kind of cool thing Jesus is doing? He's like, I'm not just going to tell you you need to make a choice. I'm going to show you all these different ways you need to think about this. The two roads, the two gates, the two fruits, the two disciples, the two builders. Wise and foolish. Here's the question. What makes them wise and foolish? I think a lot of us maybe have been taught that, oh, the wise one built his house on the foundation of Jesus' teaching, and the foolish one built it on the sand. He built it on the foundation of the world's ideas and philosophies and his own thinking 
I think this is how we're often taught this, but that is not what Jesus said. Jesus says what makes the wise person wise is that he practiced the teachings. What made the foolish person a fool was that he didn't practice the teachings. This is not about having the right belief. You can build your foundation on the teachings of Jesus and still be a fool if you don't live it out. And if you look at church history, look at my history, our history, We've got to put this into practice. We've got to, more than just me as a, okay, I need to put this into practice. No, we have got to rebuild, reshape this culture that's been so predominant for a long time. For a long time. It's beyond us. Mm -hmm. It is beyond us, okay? But we've we've got to get back to the words of Jesus. The end of the sermon Well, does the Sermon on the Mount really end, or does Jesus just take it and live it? I think he takes it and lives it. But here in verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. He taught with authority. You know, there's a cool way about the way teachers in this time, in the biblical times, the way they taught. It wasn't about information. We approach learning, we approach the Bible as like an empty cup. Come, just fill me. Just fill my cup. Fill my cup. We never drink from it. <laughs> we don't water anything with it. We just fill my cup. And it just starts overflowing. You're like, keep filling it. Come on, more information, baby. Come on. More knowledge. It doesn't matter. Jesus taught in such a specific, concrete way for them that it moved their lives. And you, re- you read that response after Jesus teaches something, people are moved either closer to him or away from him. But they're moved, right? right? And I think, we, I think there's something there when we think about the authority that Jesus has and just the way that he taught. It's not just nice ideas. This is not ideal. These, aren't I- these are not ideals. Yeah. This is not Christian utopianism, right. right? This isn't describing what heaven will one day be like. It will, but heaven is also in the present. Heaven is being in God's presence. He lays out, he ends this, again, read this again this week. He ends this incredible message about, guys, it's not just the right stuff, it's how you live. And he ends it like this. He lays out option and he leaves the choice to the hearer. I think the gospel message that Jesus shares, that God has been sharing with us, the world, throughout time, it's worthless if you don't allow it to be expressed in your life, to live it out, to embody it. 
that's not limiting God's power. Amen? We know, we know from our lives the way God will move despite how much of how stubborn I am. Yes? I, I, most of us have been there. I've been there a lot. But this is the only way to make your inside right. Where do we go from here? What do we do? <laughs> Jesus drops that on us. It's like, all right, here's the options. And then if you keep reading in chapter 8 and throughout Matthew, he's just like, okay, there's your options. And then he just goes and he lives it out. He goes to those lowly of the world and he starts healing them. You just read in chapter 8, goes to a leper, goes to a Gentile, goes to uh, a sick person, goes to demoniacs. What do we do? The kingdom life was designed for the world to be turned upside down. Let us consider what Jesus has offered and make a decision. Choose the narrow gate and the narrow road that leads to kingdom life. Choose to follow Jesus. Choose to follow the true prophets identified by the fruit of their lives. Choose to be a real disciple knowing that your lip service counts for nothing in God's eyes. Choose to build on the right foundation living out Jesus' teachings. Let's decide today to live as kingdom citizens. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to come to the Lord's table here in a moment. For you Midwestern folk, the Lord's Supper. Supper. But as we do that, let's not stop here. The Sermon on the Mount, this is like Jesus' manifesto of living God's kingdom. Yes? Let's decide today to live from the Sermon on the Mounts. Think about that. The way you navigate how you view God and Jesus, being shaped by Jesus' teachings, really shaped by Jesus' yoke. The way we approach our relationships, not coming from a place of having an unhealthy eye, an eye of scarcity, and i got to protect myself but coming from a place of what Jesus shares in the Sermon on the Mount. Let us, what if we discipled one another with scriptures from the Sermon on the Mount? Like we made it a challenge. We talked about this in a discussion group. What if we challenged ourselves to disciple one another using the Sermon on the Mount scriptures? What would that do to us? Let's read the Sermon on the Mount so much that it starts to speak back to us, that you can't experience any situation where you just don't hear Jesus. You, like Jesus is in your ear. He's like, you know, blessed are. Like he's like talking to you like through the Sermon on the Mount. Let's know it so well. Let's embody it so that we can bear God's fruit that brings life, that brings justice, that brings goodness. Clay's going to come up here. He's going to offer a reading to guide our hearts and minds in communion. It's a familiar reading, Galatians 5. And, and I might just encourage you as, as Clay reads it, just to close your eyes and listen. And as you listen to this familiar passage, I want you to be thinking about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and living upside down. Amen?
Amen. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare that every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut, who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the, offenses of, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish that they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. So they are in conflict with, with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, become conceited, provoking and envying each other. If you bow your heads with me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for each other and for all you've given us, Lord, for this time we have today and for everything, Lord. You've given us so much, Lord. Let us not forget that. Please, Lord, guide us, lead us throughout our entire lives, Lord, until the day we die, until the day we are reuni reunited with you, Lord. Uh, guide us in wisdom, Lord, and provide us with wisdom to do things the way you'd have us do them, Lord, the way that would please you, Lord. And that we don't follow false teachings or, Lord, even misteachings, I suppose, of your word. Let us do as you would have us do. And, Lord, let us help those who need you, Lord, those who are less, less fortunate as we are. We love you more than anything, Lord. Guide us and lead us. Be with us, Lord, and help us choose life and choose you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Let your 